Oh, no story. I'll tell you what to start. Praise God. Amen. 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 Uh, again, let me ask the question. How many of you enjoying this Christian journey? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. It's so wonderful just to live by the Spirit of God. You know, it really is. There are just times in our lives um, we just find ourselves in situations where, I don't know if it's happened to you, but you just have this moment where God just kind of reflects and gives you an, a revelation of what He's done for you and who He is in your life. And you just get a smile on your face, you know. It just, you have this sense of, I made a, I made a good decision, you know, to accept Him. And really, that's where it starts. Um, and I want to just share a couple of announcements, but I'm feeling the preaching coming on already. But um, you know what I'm saying? Y'all got to pray for your pastor. Amen. I, you got to pray for your pastor. But it, it, it's interesting that, that God really wants us to move from elementary revelation to the deep things he has for us. He really and he says, it's really for your benefit. I already know who I am. So I don't give you revelation so you can tell me who I am so I can feel good about myself. Let me say that again. He doesn't give you revelation so you can declare it so God can say, oh, I didn't know I was like that. Oh my gosh, thank you for telling me that I'm this. Never knew that, you know. He does it because he wants us to move from an elementary understanding of him that's just a head knowledge um, to a place where it really goes deep into our hearts because that's the deep work he wants to do. And I, and, I, and I promise you this, there is no relationship you can have, okay, even relationship with yourself, that you can have without depending on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct you. There really isn't. All you really have, if, if you're in a relationship and there's no presence of God, that's, you're, just, you're just two people gathered together. You know what I mean? And, and that's really all you are. Um, but if you really want to dive deeper into the agape of God, um, you've got to live... In a place of deep revelation. You know what I mean? So you can live the fullness and then you don't rob the person of the fullness that God has made you to be. See, you're not, you're not the other half. That, that, depend, that means I'm, I'm empty. And what happens is when you get 50%, you're, you're done. And that could be one year, two year, three year, four years of your relationship, right? And then you're just done because I have nothing more to give you. Because I was only half. But when you understand that you walk in this fullness, that God is continually filling you, you live in a place of overflow. So you're always welcomed. You feel me? You're always welcomed because there's a deposit that you can release in my life. Now, we're going to get to it today and we're going to see why relationships, um, they don't grow apart. They fall apart. Growth implies you were rooted in something. Right? So it's why it falls apart. And even with yourself, your relationship with yourself just falls apart. You know what I mean? So it's not just basically being with someone. I'm talking your own private life and how your life just falls apart. Um, you know what I mean? Because we don't understand some of the things that God's going to share with us of what he really wants to move us into. Okay? So um, I, ho- I hope you're going to still stay after I get that introduction. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. It's a good word. You know what I mean? It's a... It, it's, it's a good word. It's a good word. So um, your worship guide has some information on what's going on. So read it. Amen. And uh, there's your announcements. Okay. So get into it. Okay. It's got some really cool stuff in there. And uh, I think you should read it. So praise God. 
But I, wa- I want to introduce this, this uh, message as we're continuing on the spiritual growth. And uh, last week, I'm so glad that God interrupted my sermon series. Amen. Amen. I mean, I was breakdancing, about to do a cartwheel. It was just awesome. I was so excited about what God uh, is doing. And uh, as we continue on this series of Come Grow With Us, and especially looking at spiritual growth, I want to remind you again that in order for any organization, church included, you cannot, you cannot see growth that God is blessing strictly looking at church growth by numbers. Um, I was at a men's conference yesterday, and it was interesting, as some of my dear friends, intercessors and prayer warriors, and people who pray for me, um, we got to connect. But what was interesting was, as they were saying, man, how's the church going? You know, how are things? I'm like, man, God is, God is moving. God is doing a tremendous work. Well, how much, how much people do you have? And so automatically they go to the third level of understanding, like, as if the amount of people that gather signifies growth. So see how it just becomes a habit? That things we just say and... We really know what we mean, but what we're releasing the atmosphere is that if we're not growing based on number, I must be failing then. So then I got to go and read more books on how to grow the church. You, you feel me? You know what I mean? I, I, I got to do that. And, um, and so I said, no, we are growing. We, we are growing because we're moving from glory to glory. And if that's four of us, praise God. If it's six of us, hallelujah. If it's ten of us, even thank you, Jesus. If it's 80 of us, that's cool. But as long as the four people it says we move from glory to glory, they're cool. You know what I mean? They're cool. And so as this relationship gathers. And what the enemy likes to do is that when God's glory manifests in the place and we have to give more of ourselves, that's when you really know what's inside of you, where you're really rooted and planted and, and really, you know, deepened. So I was talking to him and one individual, and we're going to get to this, and he was talking about, you know, this, this is where I'm supposed to be. And, you know, he came back to the church where we're having this conference, and he's talking about different things. And I said, let, let me declare some prophetic over your life. You don't join a church because you like everything. You join a church because you're in agreement with the vision. That's how you, that's how you grow. You know what I mean? Is that I'm going to sing, you're not going to like it. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh, he's out of tune. But agree with what God's doing here and what God is really, uh, the deep work he's doing in your life. Because I believe that you're here because God has summoned you to come here. I I believe that with all my heart. I believe that you're people of great wisdom, right? And some will be for a season and some will be longer and things like that. You know what I mean? But but, but God has really been doing a work in in my life pastorally, um, things I thought I overcame. You know what I mean? Things I thought I, oh, God, I, I grew past that. He goes, no, time just went. That's all it is. So you could be serving God for 20 years. That's just time. Doesn't necessarily mean that you've grown, Rowan. So I'm like, okay, God, you know, I want to grow. I really want to grow. And, 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 and so it's interesting because that's where real commitment takes place when we come to this place of agreement. First with his word, Right? First was right. So if, 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 you're, if you're about to, to get married and you come to, to the altar or wherever you are, the first you have to come in agreement, do you take this person? They said you like this person. <laughs> right? That's so shallow. It's, do, you, do you agree? 
And the words you spoke said, okay, fine. And you created this covenant. Right? So how much more God, when you come in now and say, God, I don't like everything. But I agree with your word. And so that agreement will cause me to grow. Because if I don't like something, it may hinder me from growing. And so in relationships, we have to get to a place of agreement so we can grow. Am I making sense? I mean, this is, this is, and so you even have to come in agreement with yourself as well. You know what I mean? You, David had to speak to himself, says, soul, right? Hope in God. And something that may seem like it's crazy, you're talking to yourself. No, you come in agreement with God's word with yourself. Because I don't want to fall apart. I, I, I don't want to fall apart. I want to grow and I, I want to mature. I want to get to a place of deep understanding what God has for me. So I'm going to make a bold statement. I believe every single one of you here this morning, you want to grow. I'm just going to make that assumption. You know what I mean? That you're here and you want to grow. Okay? And so here's this, here's this introduction that I, I, want to, I want to share with you. It's, it's kind of cool, I think, anyways. And it says there, uh, when an individual, and I'm quoting, uh, when an individual goes to church... He or she often hears a preacher in the pulpit rehash everything that they have read in the editorials, the newspapers, and the magazines. On the TV commentaries, he or she hears that same stuff over again. They yawn, and they go out, and they play, if you're a guy or maybe a girl too, they go play golf on Sunday. See, when you come to church, actually, what you are saying is this. Preacher... I know what the TV commentators have to say. I hear them every day. I know what the editorial writers have to say. I read it every day. I know what the magazines have to say. I read them every week. Preacher, what I want to know is this. Does God have anything to say? Because if God has anything to say, tell us what it is. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Father, we want to know what you have to say. And in the name of Jesus, we hear you saying, growth. And so we ask now, and we know you're here. And so we welcome your presence. And we pray that when we leave this place, there will be such a confidence and assurance to know that you are doing a deep work in the earth. And that we are growing. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we say, Holy Spirit, speak to your people with a demonstration of your power. In Jesus' name. If you're in agreement with that, say amen. 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 Praise God. So, with your Bibles, please turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. I'm going to read this particular uh, scripture from the uh, New King James uh, Version, and then I'll progress. And I really want to get to uh, this place where we can understand um, the spiritual growth that takes place uh, because of grace. Because of grace. My assignment is not to break down grace and give you the Greek and the Hebrew and a deep theological understanding of grace. What I want to do is speak prophetically into your life that you would take this message and that you would then put it deep in your heart. And then you would ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the depths of it. Okay? Um, There's just not enough time. If I really 
took the time to deal with these five things of grace, um, we would be here till next week. Amen. And so um, we, we got things in our calendars that we have to do. Okay. So I want you in your private time to really, really dissect uh, this, this message. Um, so in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13, the writer of Hebrew um, is giving us something which I believe is, is vital, is absolutely important. And we just talked about it. If God has anything to say, um, you know, what is that? And so he's writing here, <clears throat> excuse me, and he's, he's telling um, the, the, the audience and he's giving them a history of the nation of Israel and how they were to enter the promised land and they were to be in a place of rest. Uh, God wants you and I to rest. Uh, he wants us to, to understand that he's about rest. On the seventh day, he rests from all that he did. And so this promised land was based on a covenant. Someone say covenant. Co- covenant are deep. They're not contracts that can be broken. Covenants are deep. And there are certain covenants in the Bible. There are certain covenants for the nation of Israel that God has promised. Certain things in the Bible that Israel has been given the promise because of Abraham. And so we pray for the nation of Israel. Why? For the covenants that God has declared to that particular nation. Right? And there's some biblical principles there. It says those who pray for this nation, God says, I will bless them. So that's a covenant promise. The same promise of healing is the same promise given to a nation that God has done. Now you may not like that, but you want to come in agreement with that. Because you want the blessing that God has for that. And every nation, as a matter of fact, God wants us to speak blessing over. Okay? To speak blessing over. Speak blessing over the nation uh, 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 in the country of Jamaica. Speak blessing over that country. Right? A beautiful tourist place, but so much murder that takes place there. That, that, that you talk about an election that, that's rough. That election, they kill you over there. You know what I mean? Like, it's rough. So we got to pray that God will have mercy on that particular nation, right? Africa, all those different nations, we have to pray that they will receive the covenant of God and that they will grow. Does that make sense? I mean, that's what we can, that's what we can do by our prayer is that we can pray and believe God that he can do that. And so here it is now that the writer of Hebrew is, is, is talking about this whole thing of rest. And then he says in verse 11, before I get to verse 12, it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall, there it is again, according to the same example of disobedience. So he's saying this nation, that God had so many things in his covenant for them, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, let me give you a history of this nation, and, and that God wanted them to enter a place of rest, so that they can see his goodness and his mercy and his grace and everything like that. And he says, but they fell. They, they, there was a falling away. They didn't grow, right? Because you don't, you, you don't grow apart. They fell apart. How? Because of disobedience. Disobedience to what God had for them. And so if it would just end there, we would be people of no hope. We would be people who would be saddened. And many of us who are parents and have children, we tell our child, don't be disobedient. Why? Because they'll fall away from your grace. They'll fall away from your place of protection. Right? It's interesting, and I may have shared this before. I think I have, but I'll share it again. It's been a while. That my favorite Disney movie is The Lion King. The, the, original, the Lion King. It's my favorite one. And, and there's a scene where uh, uh, Simba is, is, you know, next in line and, and Mufasa is his father. And, and he says, hey, you're not scared of, of anything. And he says, no. And then he says, but, but, but there's certain boundaries that I have to operate within. Because right, right. uh, I might be king of the jungle, but I'm not king of the earth. 
And, and so he says, wherever, wherever you see the sun touches, that, that, that's your boundary. And if you stay within, if you stay within the boundaries, um, then you'll be blessed. Then you can walk in your authority, Simba. And you can roar and actually have an effect on people. You can use what God has designed you. Or, you know what I mean? You can use how you've been designed. You can use them because you're within this boundary. You get what I'm saying? So, so, but, but if you go outside of that boundary, you're left to the elements and to the praise that, that are out there for you. And so Scar then had to get him to go outside the boundary. He couldn't get him within the boundary. Oh, God. As long as he was in the boundary, he was safe. Walking in a covenant relationship with Mufasa. Had access to Mufasa. Who had access to everything that he had access to because he was his son. Didn't ask for it. It was there before he even came. And when I get to my text and understand how God the Father predestined or he prepared beforehand things for you, you're just stepping into God's provision. That's what he says, just rest and just walk. (laughs) Just walk and you're going to step into it. And so it's interesting that Scar had to get him and had to use other things and and had to bring him outside of the boundaries, right? And so here it is now. If you watch the movie, I recommend you do. It's really cool, you know. And, and, and And so they go and all of a sudden now they get to the elephant's graveyard. And, and lurking in the elephant's graveyard is all the hyenas and all the things, you know what I mean, that your past would, would, would gather around you. Yeah. Huh? Things that one time you used to, uh, uh, you know, run away from or used to take out, now they become your friends. Right. And they now become your friends, right? And, and so here it is now, uh, real, real quick, they get them to this place and all of a sudden they came out. And so, and so, so Scar, not, not Scar, Simba says, hey, you can't touch me. I'm Mufasa's boy. You can't touch me. And then they let him know something. He says, you're out of your jurisdiction. Oh, I can touch you now. Because you stepped out of the realm of protection. Now you're in disobedience. And because of disobedience, you can't rest. And a nation and a people and a relationship that's out of the will of God, you can't have rest. You will be frustrated and you wonder what's going on. Your world has fallen apart. Yeah, you can patch it up for a little bit. And you can use other things to try to ease the pain, but you're falling apart. And so here he was now. And what's interesting is this. Is, is, and this is, this, is, this, this, this is grace. He's out of his jurisdiction. And the enemy knows it. And they're about to take him out. And all of a sudden now, this, the, 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 the pigeon or the seal, whatever that was with him, that was called to protect him, that they got rid of, called the Holy Ghost, right? So the Holy Ghost was with him. And he says, go with him. Wherever he goes, the Holy Ghost is there, right? They come out of the boundaries now. The Holy Ghost says, ooh, you're in jurisdiction. You're not supposed to be. So the Holy Ghost now, oh God, this is so good. I didn't even, this not in my notes. The Holy Ghost, I got to go back to the Father. Come on. And I've got to let the Father know that his child has stepped over the line. And so while he's out here in the flesh, the Spirit of God goes back to the Father. And says, one of your boys have stepped over the line and there's no rest for them. And here comes the Father. Oh my God. Here comes the Father now. And he knows the boundary. My God. 
He knows the rules that's been established there. But the father now says, let the word take on flesh. So I can step into a realm. Come on, somebody. I can step into a realm now to redeem and to save mankind. God is so good. And here comes Mephasa. And he gave a roar that the enemy is like, ooh, I got to get out of here. I know they're in a place of disobedience, but the father showed up. Oh, and he's the king of the earth. He's the creator. He's the ruler. When he speaks, everybody has to listen. So Scar comes up and he says, what happened? Why why, why don't you take him out? He said, Mephasa showed up. Nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. And so we have to understand this now. And so he looks at this and, and he says now from that, so, so stop being disobedient. That's my point. Just stop it. It's not benefiting you. It's not benefiting me. Come on. It's not benefiting anybody except the devil and his demons. And that's all it's affecting. It's creating an atmosphere of confusion and chaos. And I know some people don't believe in those things. Don't believe in evil. But they exist. There's a spiritual realm that exists, right? You don't be fasting for 21 days. Come on, somebody. You don't penetrate the heavens. Huh? So, 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 just, just stop it. Okay? Just stop it. But, Pastor O, it's, it's, it's difficult. I know. We're going to see how God has made you able to stop it. To stop it. So, don't confuse perfection with God's promise. Because what the enemy wants you to do is to live in this state of, I have to work now to get the promise. And so you get frustrated trying to work this thing and you never receive the promise and there's no rest in that. And that's not, I'm not teaching you can live any way you want to. What I'm teaching you is be secure in what God has done for you and grow in the knowledge of God. So the word abides in you now, right? Because here's the comfort. Here's the comfort. And also the challenge for some people. So verse 12 is the comfort. And verse 13 is the challenge. So first the comfort to grow spiritually. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The comfort. The comfort. So the word of God cuts through your being. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. It's the word of God. And what the enemy is going to do is the first thing he knows, I've got to get the word of God out of them. Because they will be able to discern the intent of the heart. And so he removes the word of God first. Hmm? He removes the word of God first. He hides it. He distorts it. He twists it. He puts just enough truth in it so you would believe it. He deceives it. Because he doesn't want you to have relationships. He really doesn't. He really doesn't. And so that is, that is the comfort to know that the word of God is Powerful, it's living, and it's sharp. 
But the challenge is this, verse 13, and there's no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So in between the comfort and the challenge, I want you to write this down. In between the comfort of the word of God being sharp, right? Use your smartphone or whatever device you have for taking notes. Here is, here's the journey. Let me give you the journey of the Christian in one simple statement. It begins first with first and foremost the, 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 the comfort, the word of God. Even Jesus, when he was being tempted, used the word of God. It is written. I haven't eaten in 40 days and 40 nights, but I'm comfort knowing, there's a comfort inside of me knowing that the word of God is what, I, what sustains me. So there is, there, is that, there is that comfort in the word of God. In the word of God. But there's also the challenge. The challenge. Everything's open before God. And he sees everything. And I have to give an account. Now that's a challenge. But right in between that connects those two is the character of God. So what he's saying is that when you, when you read the word of God, and there might be some hard things in the word of God that even the Apostle Paul, Peter talks about. The Apostle Paul wrote some things that were hard, right, in Second Peter. He says, but, he says but, but it's revealing the comfort of that hard word. It, it brings comfort. Because I know it's a challenge over here to live godly in an ungodly world. It's a challenge. It really is. But he says right here, I want to reveal to you my character. It's, it's, it's the character of God that holds the comfort of the word and the challenge of applying that word. It's based on the, the, the character of God. And what people want to look at is the character of God. Is that when you obey the word of God, it goes through and now you're going for a place of maturity. It, it, is, it is the character of God that the enemy now wants to destroy. And that's why he begins by saying, God is not good. God's not the healer. God is not your deliverer. He wants to destroy. He can't, he can't take away the word of God. He knows he can't do that. And he can't take away the comfort of the Lord. He can't do that at all. The word of God will not return void. He understands the power of the word. And he knows that there are lives, there are going to be some challenges. He understands that. But what he wants to do, he wants to destroy the character of God. And church, we can't allow the character of God to be defamed. We can't allow the character of God to be destroyed. So the joy of this Christian journey is I walk in the character of God. What God says I am, that's what I am. God says I can do it, then I can do it. God says I can possess it, I'm going to possess it. God says it belongs to me, then I'm going to access it. Not being greedy, just want to be godly. I just want to be godly. If he says I can have it, why? Because the word of God is living, it's powerful, sharper. If God says I can have it, I want. So I guess I want more of his character. So I've got to come to overflow and get more of his character. Why? Because he gave me a word, and man, it's a comforting word, but it's a hard word. And over here, I'm being challenged to obey that word because my friends may not like me. It may not be popular what I'm about to do. So I've got to rest in the character of God. I've got to live in the overflow. I've got to live in the abundance of people who believe God. Right? People who believe God that, that all things are possible to them who believe. That they don't see the signs like Teresa was talking about. But they know the character of God that God said it, that God would do it. 
If Disney can write a movie about Mufasa going over the boundaries to rescue his son, how much more is God, as a good, good father, has rescued you and I? See, see, when the struggles come and the challenges are there, I reflect back on God's ability to, to hold me and to sustain me and His mercy and His grace. Because when I reflect on His character, guess what God wants to do? He wants my character to reflect His character. Yeah. And right in the middle, you know what we call that? You know what we call that? The glory of God. Yeah. It's the glory of God. And when the glory of God manifests in a place, oh my goodness, people say, oh man, they're growing. They're growing. So four people can manifest the glory of God. Can you imagine 400 people? Can you imagine 4,000 people? Right? So what God is this, watch God. God said, listen, listen, you can't contain me in a building. But what we're doing is we're making a bigger building think we can contain God. He said, I don't care how big the building is, you can never contain me. God wants cities to come to him. So he's saying four people who know my glory and my character can change a city. That you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Huh? And so you then, just four individuals who understand that I got a comforting word from God. And there's a challenging situation. But the character of God that is growing me in this particular situation is for God's glory. And I manifest that in the earth realm. That people are going to hear and people are going to be like, oh my goodness, God is so good. And the city, the city is transformed. Right? The city is transformed. That's what we want to talk about. So watch God now. So, so here it is now. So we looked at and we made the statement, a heart prepared by God is a heart prepared for growth by grace. So we understand that it's really a thing of the heart. That God's really after the heart. So in Ezekiel 36, we see that, that the heart, uh, God's going to give us a, a new heart. And, and if you read that in your own time, read Ezekiel 36 and you'll see the condition of the heart. But then God, I so love, when I read the Old Testament prophet and, and AJ, they gave a word of correction. God always came back with a word of comfort. We, we see the grace of God in the Old Testament. That he would say, hey, you knuckleheads, you stiff-necked, you rebellious people. I'm about to wipe you out. But God had grace. And here we see, he talks about the condition of the heart. Because once you walk in disobedience, that's what corrupts your heart, right? And so he's talking about that. But God said, I'm going to give you a new heart. A new heart. A heart after my spirit. Because he knows none of us can live. None of us can live. The Old Testament had so many laws. There were so many things they had to do. I'm telling you, they had to sacrifice all day. The priests were there all day, bringing the goat, bringing the lamb, bringing the thing. And they were just cutting it and all the blood. And they were just getting tired. There was no rest. It was just tired. Are you pleased now, God? No, he's not. Are you pleased now, God? Are you you pleased now? Are you pleased? And they thought they were growing because there was motion, but they were continually doing the same thing over and over again. They would go to bed, wake up the next day, do the same thing over again. Why? Because the guilt that was on them and and, and the things that was, you know, just rotting inside them. And they would come to the priest again and the same thing and the same thing. This is, oop, it's one year. The high priest will have to go in now. It's the year. Let me go in. And the priest will go in the high priest and he would put the blood, uh, you know, on the altar. And, and all of that he would come back out again and then he would do it again and it would go so much work right. and it produced nothing and that's what God wants you to understand that if we're going to grow we must understand that our heart has to be prepared by God has to be prepared by God 
And so we talked about then a heart prepared by God is a heart prepared for growth. And we went and we looked at, but God, he's the one that makes things grow. He does. God makes things grow. Okay? So for those who've been with us over the last few weeks, you get that. You understand that. But here's what we want to focus on now for the remainder of our time. This concept called by grace. Last thing we looked at, but God. Today we're going to look at by grace. And I'm going to give you the five things, because the, the five is the number of grace. I'm going to give you five things that you're going to be able to look and see and have evidence that the grace of God is manifested in your life and in those around you. Is that okay if we do that? Give you these five indicators that you can look at in every relationship within yourself and outside the church. If these five things exist, you will know that the grace of God is there, right? And you will see the work of God that he's manifesting in your life. Okay, so now let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Watch this. This is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. Next to John chapter 1, and it says that you were born, uh, you know, not, not of the will of man, not of the will of the flesh, but of God. And you have the right to become sons of God, uh, uh, the children of God. That's my favorite scripture. But Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 is, is a go-to scripture. Um, you, the enemy would want to take this scripture out uh, because it is the go-to scripture if you want to progress and you want to grow. Right? So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, uh, the English Standard Version says, For by grace you have been saved uh, through faith. Okay? So for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. He just, right out, right out there. AJ, that's not your own doing, buddy. You're almost as big as me, not yet. Right? You know what I'm saying? Okay. You're almost as big, but it doesn't matter how big of a muscle you have, you're not strong enough to please God on your own. So it says... By grace, he introduces this concept to the readers, especially to to the Ephesian individuals, especially to the Gentiles. He's introducing this concept that understand they're from an Old Testament mindset, right? They know what their forefathers did and their forefathers did and they built the temple. and That's all they knew. And all of a sudden now, God introduced this new concept to the Jewish nation and to the Gentiles. And he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And he goes, this is not your own doing. You mean I can, I don't have to bring the bull anymore? I don't have to bring the, I don't, I don't have to do that anymore? That can't be true. I'm going to still bring it. I'll accept Jesus, but I also have to do something. I mean, I saw the crucifixion. I heard about that. I see, I don't know why he died, but, but all I know is this guilt is still here. It's, it's still here. So I've got to bring these animals. And he said, no, stop it. That system now has been done away with. It's been abolished. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And he now says, it's by grace you've been saved. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. That's what boast means, to take glory. He means, look what I did. And whenever an individual in any relationship... Even within yourself, say, look what I've achieved. God would be like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. It's by my grace. It's by my grace. A nation will be blessed because of the grace of God. Because the grace that's released, right, in the hearts and minds 
of the people of a nation. So we first have to understand this. And for some like, okay, Pastor, I, I know this. I'm, I'm 15 years in this kingdom walk. I understand this. Really. Because it's a progressive revelation. It's constantly, every single day, the depth of the, what God did for us needs to be revealed every single day. Because the enemy is going to constantly bring us as you're a failure. He's going to constantly come and say, you, can't, you don't have what it takes. He's going to constantly come. He's going to be sharing things with you. A prophetic word went over me. I was, um, see, when you walk in obedience, and, um, and I'll share this with you. So I, I, I finally went and bought a calendar. I'm like, you know, I'm like, God, you are, you are, you're, you're growing me, so I got more responsibilities now. And I said, I got to get a calendar. And um, it's a Christian calendar. And I'm look, put my stuff in because, um, you know, I was being asked for a couple of dates for some things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, do this and, and do that. I'm a big picture person, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, we can do this. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, gosh, no, I got, I got this that day and I got that that day. And God says, no, you need a calendar because your word is important. Now, it's always been important. But now because I'm growing you, your word's even that much more important. So it says, take the discipline and get a calendar, buddy. He didn't actually say it like that. You know, I mean, that's Rowan's interpretation. Someone think, that's how God talks to you? And no, I'm just Rowan saying, you know. So I went and, I went and got the, you know, went, went and got the calendar. And, and, and so I have all these things to do. And I'm like, God, I, I got to be in this. He says, but you gave your word. I'm like, okay, God, I did. And I'm not trying to get out of this thing. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to this, to, to, to this gathering. And I'm like, God, it's, it's, it's 40 bucks. It's $40. And you know what I mean? Like, it's $40. So I'm like, okay. So I'm driving. And I'm talk, trying to talk my way out of it. I'm trying not to go to it. So long story short, I get there. And it was actually $39. I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> He's like, here's your dollar. I'm like, I'm taking my dollar. Yes, yeah, praise God. And so I get there. And all of a sudden, I enter in the room with just the prophetic. I mean, it was just men who were just hungry for God. And what enemy was trying to do, watch this now. He was trying to make all these little distractions to avoid me getting the word God had for me. Because when they started the music, it wasn't really in the right thing. You know what I mean? And now I'm judging the conference now. Uh-huh. Because I paid my $39. <laughs> He's like, oh man, they're going to have great food when they get there. I walk in and they got a bag of chips. I said, are you serious? Watch this now. They had the steak and the shrimp was hidden. And if I only looked at what I saw from the entrance, I would have missed the delicacy at the end of the meeting. And oftentimes we walk in and all we see just a little things and we think, ah, there's no food here. And God's like, just stay a little bit longer. Because I'll open up the windows of heaven. Huh? Man, they had some steak. I was eating with my hands. I was like... Eating that steak. Chowing down that man. Didn't have a knife. I don't need a knife, man. Paid my $39. Yes, amen. Praise God. I'm eating the steak. Right? But here was the interesting part. So, so I'm there and just prophetic word is, is moving and everything like that. And, and I did it. And so that was the first night. So I go back the second day and, and I'm there. And there's a gentleman who's sitting there. And I walk up to him and I sit down beside him. And I'm telling you, man, when you walk in the prophetic, this will happen to you. I'm telling, and, some, and many of you know this. You walk in the prophetic and you understand that when you go someplace, be in tune with what God is doing. Because the word of God is sharp. It's powerful. And God wants to reveal something to you, right? Okay, is it okay if I just teach you a little bit about how God works, right? Okay, because God really wants you to manifest his glory and, and for him to get the glory. 
And you don't boast about it, right? And so I'm sitting there, and there's an individual. He's sitting there, and I sit beside him. Now, now watch God. God gets the specific timing, the exact distance, everything like that. I'm sitting there, and I start talking to him. And I said, yeah, I pastor an amazing church in Marion. He goes, oh, Matt, I've, I've, I've got a friend who, who's up in Marion. I visit him all the time. He's at MCI. And I said, oh, I said, well, we have ministry there. And, and, and uh, Roland and Marie, they do ministry. There. And some of the other people, you know, uh, Sandra, Mother Cook, and then people do ministry. And I'm like, oh, I said, what's his name? He gives me his name, and I'm like, we're going to visit him. We're going to see him. He's a Christian individual. God changed his life. And here was this guy just talking about his story. And then all of a sudden, we got to the real issue was his relationship with his son. The guy I was praying. So we did all that. God was like, no, I'm going to get to his son. I'm going to get to that relationship part. That's what I'm after. And so we got there, and he started talking about his son and their relationship. And so we prayed, and, and we just believed God, that God was restoring everything like that. Okay? And, and all that was, 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 was awesome. And here's my point of sharing all of that. I leave the meeting early because I, I gave my word to another appointment and I get there. And I'm about to leave and I'm shaking hands with the people. And I'm like, hey man, it was great seeing you. And all of a sudden, someone stopped me and he pulls me and he says, I'm going to give you a word of knowledge. I'm, I'm going to speak a word over you. And I'm like, okay, I trust his voice, right? And he says, he says, Rowan, you, 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 look, you look, you know, slim and, 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 you know, and things like that. He says, but... Um, the only way I can describe this is, like, if you take your jacket off, underneath the jacket is this, is this, is this muscular, and he said that, this muscular. Is this muscular individual, right? He, oh, stay with me, stay with me, Aaron. He says, he says underneath, underneath all that, because some people can, can look a certain way on the outside. But it's what's on the inside you want to get access to, right? And so it's on the outside. And he goes, the only way I can describe this is this. The only way I can describe it is that there's someone I know that when you look at them, you know, you, 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 could, you could tell, oh, I don't know if they're really big, but when they take their shirt off, you could tell they've been in the gym. And he says this to me, and I was like, God, you're speaking. He said, God has been preparing you for your assignment. He says, you've been in the gym, and God has prepared you for what you're doing right now. He has no clue about what, no clue whatsoever. And he says, now take courage. The very thing God spoke to me first of January. Take courage. And I'm there thinking, oh my goodness, God, that, that's awesome. That's wonderful. And here's my point I'm saying. Is that doesn't matter how elementary may see that by grace we're saved. Never get to a place where we think that we figured everything out. Total dependence on God is what's required. And so if I've got to read Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 every single day, I will do that. So I can get a prophetic revelation from God. That I never want to think that God, I've accomplished something. That God, I'm the one that's been successful. Yes, I understand that God uses people. And I'm not denying that. I'm not, you know, diminishing that. What I want you to know is that God knows the heart. On the outside you can say, oh yeah, to God be the glory. But on the inside you're thinking, oh, it's look what I'm doing, right? And that's not what it is. God wants you to be able to say, listen, you're a champion on the inside. If you understand that you've been saved by grace, you're a champion on the inside. And God has been preparing you for this moment. I feel prophetic right now. There's someone in this place that God has been preparing you for your assignment. It's for you to know now that God has done the work. And he just wants you to step out in faith and trust and believe in him. And go ahead because God is saying he's prepared you. That struggle was not in vain. Come on, baby. That issue was not in vain. It wasn't a waste of your time. God was doing a deep work on the inside of you. That's what God was doing. Praise God. He says he's prepared you. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh my goodness. He says he's prepared you. 
He's prepared you. And so here it is now. Let's drop down to verse 10. Of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Because he's saying, if you don't understand the word, you can't understand the walk. If you don't understand the word of grace that saved you through faith, you won't understand the walk of grace that God needs for you to operate in. You have to understand the word of grace. That through, by faith, it is grace that saved you and I. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I feel like I want to shout it. Because I'm here to tell you that the devil who is lying to you, that says that you are not all that there is. Come on, that God has saved you. And that God wants you to grow. He wants you to grow. Spiritually first. He does. That's why if you go into Barnes and Noble to any store, you see so many self-help books, personal development books. They bypass the spiritual realm and they want you to operate through willpower. It's another form of work. But God is saying, no, if you allow me, I will manifest and I will do my thing and increase your walk. It's your walk that God's concerned about. It's your walk and then your work. Come on. Right? It's God's word. Let's make man. Come on, somebody. And he walked with God. And then he worked. That's the progression. But that devil wants you to try to work. Come on. And try to do your work to walk with God. And you try to obey the word of God. And that's why he can't penetrate your heart. It's your walk. And so he now says something profound and one theologian said that this was almost like the the best poem because the word here talks about prepared this particular word that he uses here or sorry workmanship is this word that can relate to like a poem right and so the best poem that can be written and the eloquence of it and the depth of it he's saying it cannot comprehend God so God has seen you as a poem and God's writing this amazing thing because you're God's workmanship you're God's design oh my goodness you're attractive to the anointing. Right? And so we have to understand that salvation beautifies. I don't know about you, but when I was in sin, I was ugly. I was not a nice person. But when God got a hold of my heart and he prepared my heart, he beautified me. He cleansed me. He did the work of my heart. The deep places. God did that. Right? And he says, now, Ron, I need for you now to walk. To walk in this grace. Because that's going to show for spiritual growth. And so here's what he says now in Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared. Or the King James says which God ordained. When? Beforehand. Hold on a second here. So God, not only did you prepare my heart for growth, you prepared my heart to walk in something you already did beforehand? He wants to know, yes, that's why you can rest. So the provision you need, it already was provided beforehand. Abraham, just walk. Just go to the mountain that I told you to go to. I've already had the ram stuck. And so he's saying if we walk in this grace of Jehovah Jireh, you receive it. Your healing was already done beforehand. It says walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. 
How many of the Holy Spirit says, walk in it. Walk in my word. Walk in my word. Jesus was walking on the water. And Peter walked on the word. The word was walking on the water. He's the word. He can walk on the water. But for Peter now to access that same supernatural ability, he had to say, bid me to come. And when he says, come, he walked on the word. Because the natural man would say, you can't walk on water. That's against science. Oh, but the scripture tells me if I come in agreement. And he said, come, I'm walking on the word. I'm walking on the word. And so here it is now. He says that he did this beforehand, that we should walk in them. Okay? And so here are the five things. Here are the five things that you know. Oh, my goodness. And this is what God's been preparing me for these last, I would say, 16 years. Megan and I, we reflect back and we're like, God, only you can orchestrate and you can ordain what he's done. I'm here to tell you, gather place. God prepared this beforehand. So the times when I was like, I'm homesick for Toronto in 2003 and I went back, God's like, but I prepared it beforehand, bro. So you can walk back to Toronto if you want to. I'm going to bring you right back to where I had, by grace. Uh-huh. No rest for me, right? But I'm, I'm in my familiar surroundings. You know what I'm saying? I know my boys. This is my territory. Guys, I'm going to move you right back where I told you. Because I prepared it beforehand. And that's when I believe the prophetic word came when he said, Ron, I've been doing this. I've been preparing you. You've been in the gym. And so everything you've went through, everything you're going through, John, everything you're going through, Della, everything you're going through, Ryan, uh, 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 Ryan, everything you're going through, God's like, I've been preparing you for this because I want the glory. I have to have the glory. Right? And so he says this now. And so here it is now in Psalms uh, 141 verse 4. Psalms 141 verse 4. He says, do not let my heart incline to any evil. He's praying now. He says, I, I want to walk in this grace that God has given. So, so the psalmist is saying now, now that I got the revelation of the word of God and the word of grace, he's now saying, I have to now guard my heart. And he says, do not let my heart incline to any evil. Right. To busy myself with wicked deeds in the company with men who work iniquity. Right. So he's talking about, don't let me be in a toxic environment. Guard my heart from not understanding the theology of the cross. But he's saying, also, don't let me be in a toxic environment. And he goes further, and he's saying this now, because we've been looking, and let me not eat of their delicacies. So in other words, what we need now is we need the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the Daniels in this day. In 2017, God said, I prepared everything for you. You went into exile, but I strategically have placed you. And Daniel said, he resolved in his heart that he will not eat the king's food. And he said, I'm not going to do that. Right? I'm not going to eat. I'm going to eat from the word of God. So my walk will be successful. Right? And so that's what he's saying here. So here are the five things. And I'm going to let you go after this. So the first thing is this. The first thing that we should walk in is this. That when you understand the word of God. Right? And you understand by grace. You first walk in health. You understand healthy relationships. It's vital. I can't get to the end yet. I got to start and says, I have a healthy relationship with God. It's not driven by works anymore. I've accepted the grace of God and I'm healthy before God. Because I can't be healthy for Magon if I'm not healthy with God. So I've got to go to the word of God that can search my heart. I said in Hebrews 4. And I've got to make sure I'm comforted in the word of God. 
And I understand the character of God, right? And I understand that, that the challenge that's going to be before me, okay? And so I now have to understand I've got to be healthy. And, and here it is now because he said in, in Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 to 20 is this. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. And it goes on in verse 17 of the English Standard Version. says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown to the fire. Thus you recognize them by their fruit. So what is the evidence then of that grace that comes in? Because God, what, I've guaranteed your growth, right? And so he says, I've guaranteed your growth. And now he says, when you accept the work of Jesus, when you accept salvation now, and you take your first step in health, he says, I'm going to give you now the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now is going to help you because you're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. So health, when people look at you, they see love, they see joy, they see peace, they see long-suffering, they see the fruit of the Spirit, and you know now you're walking in health. He said, because you will know them by their fruit. Not by their charisma. Not by their signs. But by their fruit, right? This is good teaching, I'm telling you, because you actually want to be, I'm a healthy tree. Because I'm plugged into Jesus, I'm plugged into his word, right? And I'm producing fruit so you can eat from it and be nourished. Because I just said in Psalms 141, I don't want to eat the food of evil people. I don't want to be around. I need healthy relationships. Amen. Clap your hands. Yes, we need healthy relationships, right? Huh? See, I, I've got healthy men that I go around. And that's why I went. And i got to be around these healthy men who are producing fruit in my life. My intercessors who pray for me and intercede are men that I call upon and they come. And that's what I was in that environment. And because it was such a healthy environment, the prophetic was flowing. There was deliverance that was taking place. Men, men were on their face crying out to God and just seeking God's face. Because they were in health. They were in a healthy place. So the first thing the enemy would do, he wants to, he wants to take away your health. And he does it by bringing false doctrine and false teaching. He wants to get right at the word again. Right there. Someone say health. So you got to be in 2017. You have to look and say, I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. I want health. I want my spirit to connect with God's spirit. And I want health. I have to desire health. Okay? The second thing is this. Someone who's healthy, and someone who understands health, will understand what it means to be humble. Who have humility. So James 4 verse 6 says, But he gives more grace. Who's that? That's God. So he says this grace that we need to walk when we're healthy... He says he gives you more grace now to be humble. Because here is what is going on. He says God resists the product, he opposes the product, but he gives grace to the humble. So God wants to have a posture that people can see we're humble because it's the work of God. It's not my work, it's the work of God that God's doing in me. And so when we get to a place of humility, when we get to a place that we're humble, we will show forth that God is doing a great work in our lives. And so humility and being humble is very important to the kingdom's way of understanding authority. If you want to have authority, understand kingdom authority, you have to be humble. 
That's why he builds a team. I don't have all the answers. I know who has the answer, but I don't have all the answers. So there's a humility that needs to take place, right? That you can speak prophetically in someone's life, right? Because I know the word of God, so it's not an issue about you being a false prophet. That's not what it is. It's about you seeing a dimension of God's revelation that he has revealed to me. And so because we're a team, I come up under that and being humble, I can understand authority. Let me break it down this way. This message, my servant is sick. Jesus says, I'm going to come and heal him. He says, don't waste your time. I understand authority. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Because I'm a man under authority. Good God Almighty. And when I tell someone to go do something, they do it. So now I'm with someone who has even more authority. So I humble myself. Oh God. I humble myself now under the authority that's in front of me and I say speak the word because I understand in my jurisdiction I speak and people do something. So now that I'm with greater authority I humble myself so the word of God can work. (laughs) Just speak the word and it'll walk to where it needs to go to. And so he spoke the word. He says, oh my gosh, I've never seen faith like this. And guess what happened? Guess what happened when this ruler, when he left Jesus who spoke the word? He walked. (laughs) And it was told, oh, the servant lives. He goes, oh yeah. I understand kingdom authority. So, so let me hurry up then. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, Oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. Huh? Well, the third thing is this. So you want health. You want to understand humility and be humble. And here's the third. When you have, when you have health and you're humble, here's the third thing you have. And this is probably the number one key for relationships to start to grow. If a relationship is falling apart, even with yourself or with other people, here's the final thing. Not the final thing. Here's the third thing. You have to recognize this. You have to be honest. You have to be honest of where you are. You have to be there. You got to take a pause and you got to recognize what type of soil am I? And so in Luke 8, 15, it says, And for those that are in the good soil and those that hear the word and ready and hold it fast in a honest and a good heart and bear fruit right back to that whole health again. So he's saying that when you get to a place of honesty, it's someone who has an honest heart that's saying, I want to hold to the word of God because I need the word of God to do this work. I don't want to be diseased. I don't want to be corrupt. I don't want to be, you know, uh, perverted. I, I don't want that. So I'm going to say it with a good heart, but I'm going to be honest, God. I need you. And he says, now with patience, you bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit's working in life. So you're saying, God, I want more of you. I'm going to be honest. I need more of you. I, God, I don't know if I can do this. And God said, yes, you can. I'm going to give you the word. You have to be honest first with yourself. You have to be honest. When I counsel and I speak to you of a relationship, we get to this point, and this word stops right here. We can't penetrate. The walk has stopped right at this particular place here, excuse me, where where there's no honesty of what's going on. And you have to have that conversation with yourself, with God. Says, God, is this what you have for me? And I'm going to be honest with you, Lord God, because I want want the word of God. I'm going to hold on to the word of God. Because maybe it's your perspective that is wrong. Right? And you want to stop right here and say, let me be honest. Am I in alignment with God's word? Right here. Right here. Now, humility doesn't mean you walk all over me. Don't think humility means I just lay down on my doormat. You can walk all over me. Let's get that straight. 
if you are healthy, you do not become a doormat. Uh-uh. No, no, you take your towel and you become a servant, but you're not going to come in and, and walk all over. No, no. And for years, that's how I used to flow. Because I was so insecure, needing men's approval, that I wasn't honest with myself. That I was wondering, why are things falling apart? What's going on? It was because of my own issue and the need of a father and the need of approval. But God's like, no, baby, you've been in the gym working out. And I, no, I'm not that anymore. Uh-uh. This is my assignment. I'm bold now. Praise God, I'm bold. I'm bold. Oh yeah, baby. Bold now, okay. So watch this now. Okay. So watch this now. When you're honest, are you ready for the fourth one? When you're honest, so we start over here, right? And we want health? Come on, stretch. Just, just give me a few more minutes. Right? You want health? And then and then you're humble, right? And then you're honest. Now you're going to go real deep into relationships, right? So these three things were really just about more you and God. But now he said, but I built you for, to be with other people. And, and here, here is now. Here is the, the next one. Are you, ready for, are you ready for number four? Right? And number four now is take your hands off. When you understand the God's prepared good works before the foundation he's done, you take your hands off. And there's two places you've got to take your hands off. Take your hands off people. And take your hands off programs. As a church, if we're going to see what God wants to do, He says, take your hands off people who are created in my image and my likeness and take your hands off programs because it's my presence that you need. Can I teach this thing? Please, let me teach this thing. Don't get bored. Let me teach this thing to you. Now. Watch this now. So David's a great example who says, that my heart. So here's David now. God prepared for him to be king before they even decided to have a king. Right? Right? And so here it is now that, 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 that Saul now is after David. I mean, he wants to take him out. And so David is running for his life. And they get to a situation... And I want you, you can go over and read this. They get to a situation where David now is hiding in the cave. And Saul and his men find out where, and, and they come in the cave as well. And they know David was there. And watch David now. And David's there. And the men around David says, hey, David, that joker that's been giving you trouble, take him out. He's in the cave with you. You've been running from him. And we can get spiritual. Maybe God brought him to you now to take him out. But David recognizes that I want health. And I'm tired, man. And I got to humble myself because I was out taking care of my daddy's sheep. Come on. And God, you brought me to the palace. And I'm going to be honest, Lord, I don't know what to do. But here's the person that's been causing this conflict in his life. And he's in the cave with them. And so the servant says, David, go kill him. And David thought for a second. But David recognized, oh no, baby. I'm not the same person back. Come on, somebody. In this walk, while I've been running, I've been worshiping. And so now here it is that I'm faced and I've got to recognize, is it God or is it the enemy? And he looks back and he says, oh no, I can't touch God's anointed. I don't like him, but I want to sit agreeing with God's word. Come on. And I'm not justifying what he's done, but I'm just I'm in alignment with God's word. And he has treated me with injustice, yes. And the servants, you're all right, but you're all talking flesh. I gotta get in the spirit realm right now. 
I got to get my hands off of people and say, God, they belong to you. Vengeance is mine, saith God, and God will deal with them. So when they talk about you, they see all kinds of things, say, it's okay if you're in the cave, baby. I got Jesus with me. And so he just, he just, David said, I can't help. He just cuts a little bit of this. Just, just a little bit, God. Just let me, I just got to get one word in. And he brings down, and Saul wakes up, and he's like, oh my goodness. And David's like, yeah, because my heart, Saul, what you do to me won't change who I am. What, what, what you, it won't change who I am. And I heard one of the best revelations of honor that there is. It says, your character flaws won't change me. I'm still going to honor you regardless. I'm still going to honor you. Why? Because, because I want to walk in this grace. I want help at any expense. Did you hear what I just said? I want help at, at any expense. And here's what it is. The cross. By grace are you saved. Oh gosh, I got to wrap this up. But I got just... So, so, so your, hand, your hand's off. Your hand's off. And the second thing is this. And, and then I promise I, uh, I'll get you out. Watch this. So people, so say with me, take your hands off people. I know it's going to be hard because you want to strangle them sometimes. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I want to knock you out. But take your hands off people. Surrender doesn't mean that you quit. Surrender means I take my hands off. That's what it means. Some you have to keep because I'm, I, they got to know how I'm feeling. No, take your hands out, baby. Take it. Says, I surrender them over to God. And let God do the work in their life. Take your hands off. This one's the most important one. This is now corporately for a church. Help me, Holy Ghost. This one's corporate for a church. David now gets to a place where now he's dealt with the Saul. He's dealt with all that. Now he realizes now there's something missing. I'm king, but there's something missing. Oh, the presence of God. We need the presence of God back. It's been years since we had the presence of God. Let's go get the presence of God. And so they go now and, 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 they, get, and, and they get the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, and they put on a new cart, and now they're walking. So they have the Word, and they're walking. But it was in a program. And all of a sudden now, they hit a bump. And one of David's team members touched, oh God, Touched the Ark of the Covenant. And they died. And God take your hands off. And what happens when you operate a church with programs. You kill ministries. You, you, you try to support it. And God said you never started right in the first place. It wasn't healthy from the beginning. And so you tried to prop it up. And David said stop. Now it's interesting because, because when we look at this uh, in Psalms 46, 8, 11, it says, be still and know that I am God. That word be still means to take your hands off. So it says, be still and know that I'm God. I take my hands off. Because what I'm doing is not working. I'm tired, right? I'm, I'm tired. Oh, I got I to gotta move. Because here's what I want to get to. Here's what I want to get to. So as a church, we're going to make a decision in 1 Chronicles 15, 26, when David says, how do we get the presence then into my house? He says, you have to get men, and they have to take the Ark of the Covenant. It's going to be carried on shoulders. And the Bible says, and God helped the Levites. And that's they do. We need God's help. You cannot grow without 
God's help. Your relationship will not grow until you ask God for help. And here's the final point. I'm going to let you go after this. I got 60 seconds. And here's where it's at now. The final thing, if you do all that, and here's what Megan was saying as she began praise and worship. And here's what Teresa was talking about. My like, God, you confirmed it. We did all that. Thank you for your patience. Allow me to really just dive into this. Right? So you had the health. You were humble. You were honest. You took your hands off. And here's what God is bringing back to his church now. This is what happened when, 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 when Barnabas went to Antioch and the Bible said he saw the grace of God was on the people. I believe he saw these five things. And the final thing is this. Here's what comes back when you know. When you know that God is doing the works prepared for you beforehand, you now have hope. You have hope. And I'll launch you with this now. When you know you have hope, you make room in your heart. So in Ephesians 1.18, it says, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And so in Psalms 1.19, verse 3, let this be your prayer. Let this be your prayer. The psalmist says this now, in Psalms 119, verse 32, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge in my heart. That word, enlarge in my heart, is this. And are you ready for this? Whenever hope enters the heart, and whenever hope enters the place, this is what is being manifest. For he says this, for you set my heart free. When grace shows up that was prepared beforehand, ultimately what God wanted was your freedom. And he's saying that when you find there's no more hope, listen to me, church, every head bowed, every eyes closed, clock is strike 12, I've got to launch you out of here now. Here's what happens now. Here is what has happened. You went on this walk. You went on this walk of, of, of I want to be healthy. And you progress to a place of humility and a place of being humble. And he gave you more grace. Because I need grace now, Lord, for this place of being honest to where I'm at, where my heart's at, where my relationships are at. I need to be honest. And I took my hands off it, God. I took my hands off it. Because what I need is hope. My heart is filled with my situation. And I need to be enlightened. I need to have an expansion of my heart so I can welcome more people and I can welcome your presence. Because it is your people. And it is your presence that gives me the hope that I need. And we've pushed away people and we've pushed away his presence and we're working so hard and we're frustrated and we end by saying we have no hope. But I'm here to tell you this morning that what Megan said earlier about if you feel hopeless, if you're in this room and you feel hopeless, I'm here to tell you right now that God is going to enlarge in your heart. And he's going to enlighten your heart so you will get revelation knowledge of who he is, his character, so you can walk in hope. Because here is what you, here, here's what it is now, right? Here, here's what, so I'm not going to release you as evangelists. I'm going to release you now as servants of God. And this is what is going to happen now when, 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 people, when people ask you, what is the hope for Marion? What is the hope for my marriage? What is the hope for, for all my relationships? And you're going to tell them this. You see, I honor Jesus Christ as Lord, and he's holy. And 
He has made me. Uh, he's given me a reason of the hope that is in me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. It's time for you to manifest His glory. Hear me now. Hear me gather in place. It's time to manifest His glory. Hear me, Brandy. It's time. It's your time. It's your time. No New Year's... Re- oh, I'm prophesying. No New Year's resolution is going to do this. It's your time, Brandy. It's your time. If you know it's your time, I want you to give God a praise for hope to fill your heart. If you know this is my time. Come on, enlarge in my heart, God. This is my time. I've been walking in health. I've been humbling myself. I was honest to where I was at. God, I took my hands off of it. And now I've got hope. Christ in me. The hope of glory. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time. Open up your mouth, gather in place, and say, it's our time. Come grow with us. Come grow with us. Ryan, come right here. Come right here, Ryan. Stay right there. See? See? We're here like this and we're saying, come. Come. And you're taking steps. And he says, yes. He says, come. And he's coming. He's coming. And I says, we have hope. You're here. I'm not by myself now. We've got hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ, you're not hopeless. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. I need 10 more seconds. Thank you. And I want you to give God a praise like you know. And I want you to give God glory from the back to the front. Give God glory. Come on, give him glory. Give him glory. Come grow with us. Give him glory. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, it's my time. It's my time. John, it's your time, bro. Wendy, it's your time. It's your time, Kathleen. It's your time, Rob. Come on. Teresa, it's your time. Someone shout, it's my time. It's my time. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've got hope. I've got hope. I've got hope. Oh, Father, I thank you so much for the joy of knowing that we have hope. Thank you for your presence, Lord. And if you are anywhere in one of these five areas, Father, bless your people. 
Keep your hands upon them. Go with them as they go, Lord. But if you're here and you say, Pastor Roe, i got to be in this place. I'm not honest with myself and my situation. I want to pray for you. And if you're over here and says, God, I, I need help. I need, I'm falling apart. I need help. I want you to come as well. All right. Wherever you are, I want you to come. Because I want to pray because it's your time. It, 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 it's your time. It's your time. You're released. Go get your beautiful children. Lay your hands on them. Let them know that they're loved. God bless you. Be safe. Enjoy this wonderful, glorious day. The weather is amazing. Enjoy it. Have a great time at the restaurant or at home or whatever you do. But, but I'm going to stay for another five minutes. Because I... That's it. God bless you. Go. But I want to pray for somebody. Say, Pastor, I need hope. It's my time. I know it's my time. For 16 years. For 16 years. I came to Ohio. I came to Marion. And throughout that entire journey, guys, I've been preparing you beforehand, Rowan. And I got more hope now than I ever had before. In the name of Jesus. Mm. Jesus.